Boy, this week just exploded on me. I don't know about you. That sounds disgusting. It was. I've been cleaning up days for days. Hmm. I don't know where I was going with this, but welcome to Under the Bridge. <laughs> welcome to Under the Bridge, everyone. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Yeah. Gonna jump right into news. I don't have gaming news this week. Mm-hmm. Got a minor update on the live-action Disney Plus Lilo and Stitch movie. Alrighty. And that's that Zach Galifianakis is gonna be a starring actor in it. See, I, I know I should know that name, because it's The Hangover. Like... Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. It's not fully confirmed, but word is he's playing Pleakley. Okay. <laughs> Which... Oh, also, he was the Joker in Lego Batman. Oh, was he? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did a really good job, too. Yeah, I no, like the Lego Batman Joker. No, he was great. That was very fun. So, that's a little teensy bit of something, mm. I suppose. <laughs> I don't even want to think about how Stitch is going to look in this thing. Even though this is probably the live-action Disney remake that I'm most looking forward to, the answer is bad. <laughs> really? You're looking forward to this one? Uh, I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm more interested in it than previous live-action remakes. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Stitch is just going to look horrifying in the worst possible way. I mean, he probably is. Oh, what real. if they animate him with, like, actual spit and stuff? <laughs> oh, disgusting. They'll be like, yeah, this is where the animation budget we have for this live-action movie went to. <laughs> I'm just picturing this horrifying little gremlin creature. That's just... <laughs> Actually, you know what? That might be perfect. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where it's either going to be really bad or, or perfect, with no yeah. in-between. Shoot, am I looking forward to this one now? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Accidental seat on the hype train? Yeah, I guess I accidentally boarded the hype train. They're probably going to throw me off when they realize <laughs> I don't have a ticket. It's like the most begrudging entrance onto the hype train is there. It's like, are we all excited? It's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm freaking here. <laughs> so... Bob Iger has expanded on some plans that were said. Because they said they were going to be cutting down on some stuff, not releasing as many things and what have you. Mm -hmm. And he's pointed out they need to be better at curating franchise content that's extraordinarily expensive. We want the quality on the screen, but we have to look at what they cost us. Reasonable take? Yeah, so it's now being said by The Hollywood Reporter that of the what was it, five shows that were supposed to be coming out this year for Marvel on Disney+. Plus? Mm -hmm. The only sure bets to debut now are Secret Invasion and Loki Season 2. I imagine both of those being the ones that are, like, kind of finished at this point as far as making them. Well, that's interesting, because Echo has already finished production. Oh, really? And Ironheart, I think, also finished production. Hmm. So it's mostly just a thing to work on post-production and spread out its content a little more, which is fine by me, because hmm. I, I like Phase 4 on the whole, but some things were rough. Hmm. And I feel like spacing these out and making them a little farther apart will help make them feel a little more important. That's fair. Instead of just, oh, hey, here's the Marvel show, now on to the next one, and you gotta wait like three years to figure out where it factors in. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, you like Moon Knight, did you? Well, have fun not seeing him in anything else for ages. <laughs> you liked Moon Knight? Yeah, so did we. Wait, is there anything wrong? No, that's it. <laughs> have Miss Marvel instead. <laughs> I liked half of what that show was doing. Mm-hmm. And presumably related to this, the Marvels has been delayed. Okay. Yeah, I would say that's a direct consequence of that. Instead of coming out July 28th, it is going to be coming out November 10th. So that's a full, almost four months pushback. Of what, 24? No, 23. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, presumably that's why we didn't get any trailers for it at the Super Bowl or anything, because it's not actually coming out in July anymore. I mean, that would be a fair reason. Taking its place will be Haunted Mansion, the live-action one. The new one. Oh, okay. The one that's got Jared Leto in it. Uh Uh-oh. But! (laughs) Hold on. Okay. It also has Jamie Lee Curtis, Owen Wilson, Winona Ryder, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, Dan Levy, Lakeith Stanfield, and Tiffany Haddish. That is a very expensive cast. (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) Good thing that one's not coming to Disney+. Plus. That'd bankrupt them. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh boy. For the big enchilada of Marvel news, though, Kevin Feige was talking with Entertainment Weekly, and we got a small smattering of a bunch of things. Mm. For example, they have started working on the story for Spider-Man 4. Oh, okay. That's encouraging. I, f- I kind of figured they would have been working on that already. Well, presumably they had to, they had to, yeah, I don't know. He said, all I will say is that we have the story, we have big ideas for that, and our writers are just putting pen to paper now. And we also have the muscular but baby-faced British actor. They do. He's very (laughs) (laughs) baby-faced. No wonder he played a teenager for so long. Yeah, I (laughs) know. He also affirmed that the multiverse saga as a name does not mean everything is going to be focused on the multiverse It's kind of like how not everything in the Infinity Saga was about the Infinity Stones, but it was about setting up characters that would be important for it and what have you. Okay. It sounds like they want their Disney Plus stuff to be more episodic in nature, which, yeah, why would you make it a show if you didn't want it to be episodic? I understand you want an overarching story, but each episode should in theory stand on its own as a quality piece of work. I'm not saying, like, you should be able to just jump into a third episode of a show and fully understand what's going on every time, because that would be ridiculous. But you could at least make it where it feels like a complete story happens in the span of the episode. Not, yeah. let's just plant more setup, more setup, more setup, and wait for next week for the payoff. I mean, it's like, it's a thing of like, having more setup in itself is fine, as long as that's the only thing that's going on. I feel like as long as there's something of a definitive beginning and end to the main storyline, but still having it be like, oh, okay, but there's a couple details that will be important later, but they're not super important right now. This is the end of this, definitively. It's like, all right, that also works. Exactly. Apparently, Blade starts shooting in ten weeks or so. Just yay. (laughs) Yeah, I need more Blade in my life. I need to see where that's going. I need vampires to show up. Yeah. Have them cross over with Moon Knight. Moon Knight, Black Knight, Blade, Midnight Suns. Give it to me. (laughs) Throw Doctor Strange in there. That would be a fitting setup for all of them. 
And Werewolf by Night. We need Werewolf by Night and Man-Thing. <laughs> oh, the, do the Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. So we already knew Harrison Ford was playing Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross in Captain America New World Order, and mm -hmm. I think also Thunderbolts? Mm-hmm. I think. What we didn't know until now is that he is now president. Like, of the Marvel United States. Yes. No, Harrison Ford is the president of the United States of America as of this week. <laughs> no, no. I Kevin mean, Feige well, saw to it. I mean, that would be pretty funny, but... <laughs> his, Man, first, just... his first executive order, no one's allowed to talk to him about Star Wars ever again. <laughs> I feel Never like mention a... Han Solo. I feel like that's a fair compromise. Um... <laughs> I'll follow that order. Yes. Alright, that's cool. Like, and apparently Bucky is going to be the de facto leader of the Thunderbolts, which... Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's like, that's a... Recipe for disaster. Yeah, I am not familiar with the Thunderbolts in terms of the comic side of things, but I feel like, wouldn't the Thunderbolts basically be, like, completely against the things that Bucky is for? Well, no, because... So, they're going with the sort of, like, Black Ops team iteration of Thunderbolts, which I think is the more boring one, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And most of the characters aren't actual bad guys, because it's Red Guardian, it's Yelena, it's Ghost, it's U.S. Agent John Walker. Mm. The closest thing we have to an actual bad guy in the roster so far is Taskmaster, I'd say, and even she had very little agency in what she did. Mm -hmm. If anything, I'm more disappointed that this seems like it's shaping up to be more of a Black Widow sequel and Falcon and Winter Soldier follow-up than it is a Thunderbolts movie, you know? Right. And admittedly, part of that's my own fault because I got my hopes up and I saw, oh, are we gonna get, like, dark parallels of each of the Avengers? Who are they gonna... Because Abomination's coming back. Is he gonna be the Hulk? Or is Hercules gonna be the Thor equivalent? Is, is this where we're going? Swordsman for Hawkeye or Zemo for Hawkeye? And then once it became clear that, no, it's actually... Not that. Even 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 aside from that, though, I feel like the team comp really leaves a lot to be desired. Mm. You got three super soldiers, basically two Black Widows, and Ghost. I mean, what's Ghost's thing? Intangib she was in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Intangibility. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So that's an eclectic collection of information from the man himself. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, we'll get into how Phase 5 has started off in a bit, though. Hmm. And then, on the other side of the coin, more DC stuff that I forgot to tell you about beforehand. <laughs> Justice League Dark, the J.J. Abrams project, has officially been scrapped. Oh, really? What happened there? Uh, presumably they realized they were paying J.J. Abrams a ton of money and nothing had come of it yet. Hmm. They also scrapped the Shining spinoff Overlook, but that's of less interest to me personally. <laughs> Gunn also confirmed that Peacemaker Season 2 is still happening, and it is expected to be part of the new DCU, presumably. Okay. It's just been postponed while he works on Superman Legacy and Waller. Hmm. Which, I, I don't know. The Waller, one, the Waller one interests me, but also I hate Waller as a character, which is intentional. Yeah, as I say, like, I'm pretty sure that's the whole point of Amanda Waller, is that you're not supposed to like her. No, of course not. <laughs> it also makes it hard to want to watch something starring her, though. Fair. And to cap it off, 
time for some rampant speculation. Yeah, oh, the best kind of speculation. I know, right? <laughs> Even better, because it's founded speculation. It's not unfounded. Oh, boy. The website Bleeding Cool made an article about eight DC heroes they wanted to see in live-action films, and they made a Twitter post advertising that article. And James Gunn replied to it with, Would four of eight do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, that pretty much means that four of these characters listed can be expected to show up at some point. And the list mm. is Arsenal, John Kent Superman, Vixen, Terra, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, Nightwing, Static, and Cassandra Cain, Batgirl. So I'm thinking Nightwing, Static Shock, and Static Shock is a straight nostalgia pull. Like, I'm not going to lie about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, please... I would be so happy. Like, I know the original show wasn't, like, majorly connected in any way, but God, I loved that show as a kid. No, that was part uh, of the that was part of the DC Animated Universe. Oh, okay. It didn't start out that way. I think the first season implied that Batman and Superman were fictional characters or something, but mm. then they ended up folding it into the larger universe later on. Instead, I teamed up with Batman, and actually he did so a couple times, I think, and there was one episode where he asked, where's Robin, and Batman said, with the Titans. <laughs> okay. So you think uh, Nightwing, Static? Nightwing, Static. Can you run the other six again? Because those were the two that my brain immediately went, oh, to. <laughs> yeah, there's Arsenal, John Kent, Vixen, Terra, Kyle Rayner, and Cassandra Kane. Probably Terra. And and I'm saying these also with no knowledge of these characters in the in their comic form. Terra and Cassandra Kane. We have three in common. Okay, what's the one that we don't have in common? <laughs> I don't think it's Terra, I think it's Kyle Rayner. Hmm. Because they already are making lanterns, which already has two lanterns as the stars, presumably taking some of the heat off of Hal Jordan to be the best there ever was and the front and center man of the core, so that opens the door for Kyle Rayner to show up. Mm-hmm. I don't think Terra, because I don't know where Terra would pop up unless they're doing the Titans, and I just don't know where they'd put it. It could happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I'd like to see most of these characters. The only one I'm not super enthused on is John Kent, and specifically I'm not enthused to see him as Superman. No, I was going to say, that's the one I have a hard time seeing. Haven't they already got a couple Superman things lined up to begin with? Yeah, they have Superman Legacy coming out. Yeah. And Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. The main reason I don't see it is because if you're doing a younger Superman, he can't be old enough to have a kid who could also be Superman anytime soon. Mm. I hope Cassandra Cain's in here and they can get away from that Birds of Prey incarnation of her because that was terrible. Right. Not Cassandra Kane in the slightest. <laughs> Trailer time? Uh, sure. Alright. We got the presumably final trailer for John Wick Chapter 4. Which, I don't know, I'm, I'm always all in on a John Wick movie. This, this trailer doesn't really change that. <laughs> Donnie Yen has some sick sword skills in this. Yeah, he does. He's just swinging that thing like nobody's business. Yeah, no, that was, that was very cool to see. Take your eye out, Kit. Wait a minute. 
per se, it's like you don't have to worry about something like that. <laughs> yeah, John Wick is one where I don't really need to watch the trailers for it. It's cool to get an idea for some of the action we're going to see, but at this point, it's got my money. Mm-hmm. They'd have to really fuck it up for me to say, nah, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> and it's so crazy, because I only started watching John Wick, I think either after 3 came out, and I really liked 3, but when I first saw the trailers for 3, I thought, this is the stupidest looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I watched all three movies, and I went, this is great! See, the thing is, I think I've started with John Wick just completely from seeing three in theaters with no lead up or anything to it. And it's like, okay, what's more about this? And of course I landed on it. Everyone lands on the scene where the mob boss in John Wick one is laying out to his son, how much he fucked up and giving the absolutely legendary, like description of John Wick and how much of a badass he is and how he can kill you 10 times in your sleep without even thinking about it, which killed is... three men with a pencil, a fucking pencil. Who does that? <laughs> Yes, which I, I actually remember watching a video essay about that whole bit. I guess the writers had the challenge of, A, making it where the audience roots for an objectively terrible human being, and B, giving enough reason where the already established, like, majorly, like, evil people have a reason to be scared of this other evil person that the audience is supposed to root for. And they settled on killing a dog. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> If I remember right, that was kind of the reasoning, because it's like, all right, I think they, I want to say they said something along the lines of, all right, nobody likes anyone who just mercilessly kills an innocent dog. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> Rest in peace, Daisy. Mm-hmm. Poor thing. Indeed. We also got a trailer for Creed 3, which I still have to watch the first two. <laughs> I also have to do that. I still need to track down my copies of it. <laughs> Of of the Creed movies, that yeah, because we're running out of time. There's two weeks left. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get on that. <laughs> Neat, but yeah, this this looks cool. It hits a little bit different. Pardon the pun. After seeing Ant Man: Quantumania. <laughs> oh yeah, because Jonathan Majors is great. Yeah, yeah. This is clearly a Kang variant. <laughs> you know, I could believe that. God, I hope that's not what this means. There's one Kang who's the boxing champion of the world. Yeah, and I make that joke and then realize, it's like, man, I hope this guy doesn't suffer from, like, Julia White syndrome in that regard. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, he is a phenomenal actor and he doesn't deserve that. I had a really terrible idea of watching this trailer and mm -hmm. watching Creed, who I did not realize, having not seen the previous two movies, I did not realize his first name was Adonis, which, holy shit. Mm -hmm. That's badass. If I remember right, the Adonis that Rocky fights in the previous movies is his father. No, that was Apollo. Oh, Apollo, never mind. <laughs> yeah, but I was watching him help his daughter practice boxing, mm -hmm. and I just thought, oh, is this how he's going to win? He's going to throw her in the ring against Kang? <laughs> and she's going to beat him up? <laughs> There's a hi-fi rush connection somewhere in here. <laughs> nice. I got to play that game at some point. It's a great game. <laughs> I will say, like, at that bit when she starts punching, it's just like, oh, that's both cool and just downright adorable. <laughs> so I'm still sticking with there's some secret in his past that he doesn't want getting out that Damien knows about, like, Damien took the fall for him for something or what have you. 
I mean, I would be shocked if that's it. With absolutely no nothing to go off, I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, I don't see the writers having the, the bravery to do that. I think it's just going to be a general thing of like, you left me to rot in jail, I thought we were brothers, now I'm going to fight you. That could very well also be. I'm still riding high off that one prediction I made for Quantumania that I'm not going to spoil just yet. Okay. <laughs> I think I know. I think I know which one it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it should be obvious what it is. <laughs> Anyways, Creed 3, we've got two weeks to watch two of them. Yes. <laughs> I still gotta watch two more Scream movies, god damn it. Oh, that's a you problem, my guy. Yeah, I know. You like Tetris? Because <laughs> Taron Edgerton apparently likes Tetris a little too much. <laughs> This is this is another one of those cases where I'm upset that this movie is exclusive to Apple TV. Same. I didn't realize when I put it on the list, and then I watched it, and I thought, this is too ridiculous not to talk about anyway, even though I'm probably not going to be able to watch it because I don't have Apple TV. Yeah. My god. That, <laughs> that felt like a weird, the Al Yankovic story of a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Except apparently the rights deals for Tetris actually were that complicated. Oh, and they still are. Yeah. I did a slight bit of reading up on it, but like from what I can see, the, all of the legalities around the rights to Tetris is still purposely convoluted as fuck. Crazy. Yeah. This is one that's, like, I think, if I remember right, I told you about it, because this is one that just like showed up on my feed, and I just, I remember, if not you, leaning over to my coworker and be like, hey, they're making a Tetris movie. And he's like, are you fucking serious? He's like, no, no, it's a movie about Tetris the game, not literally Tetris A movie. <laughs> like, Tetris the... A movie. I want to make that. <laughs> I will make Tetris a movie. Yeah, it's like they're not going to like have characters within the world of te- within the world of Tetris or anything like that. The Tetraminos get into a vicious race war. <laughs> but no, I saw this. I was or is like, it this Tetramino? Looks... Tetram. Uh, I feel like it's whatever floats your boat better. <sighs> No, this looks cool. Again, I'm really upset this is exclusive to Apple TV because I, well, I don't have Apple products and I don't feel like giving Apple money. But yeah, I, it was like I wish this got an actual theatrical release. Same. And then there's the trailer you proposed adding: Operation <laughs> Fortune Ruse de Guerre, aka two minutes of me falling even more in love with Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> I'll fight you for her. <laughs> I'm just kidding, because A, that's not how it works, obviously, and B, I'd lose. (laughs) I mean, if we're being completely real, at least for me, the only thing that makes me want to see this is Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza just bouncing off each other with, like, as far as sense of humor goes. What are you doing? I'm shooting at them, Danny. (laughs) Jason Statham goes, is like, I'm going to get inside. And Aubrey Plaza's like, I hope you buy him dinner first. Before getting inside of him. Sexually. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, The pauses on that were perfect. (laughs) It's like, god almighty, this is so, this is like just such a stupid show, but it makes me love this woman even more. (laughs) God, she pulls off the deadpan thing like just so perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, if it wasn't for Statham and Plaza, this would not stand out to me at all. Oh, no, not at all. Because it's... I can't even tell if... Is Statham the main character, or is is Francesco, or whatever his name is, the main character? I 
think it's I think Statham is supposed to be like the main character, but it's mm. I get the feeling from the trailer. This is one of those movies where it's like, yes, Jason Statham is for all intents and purposes the main character, but it's there's supposed to be enough general attention spent on the major characters, so that being Aubrey Plaza, Jason Statham, and um, the 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 arms dealer and the actor dude, both of whose name I forget. There's supposed to be enough attention focused on them, where it's like, while Statham's the main character, they are the main cast, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. But yeah, it's got car chases, it's got gunplay, it's got crude sexual humor. <laughs> it's a movie. It's a movie. It's. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like objectively not anything really worth writing home about, but a good time if you really like Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza. And I personally really like Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza, so... Same. Let's talk box office. Alrighty. We did see the highest grossing movie this weekend, domestically. Oh boy, that's not really a surprise. <laughs> nah, Ant-Man the Wasp, Quantumania took it. $105.5 million domestic three-day weekend, currently sitting at $120 million total domestic, and $359.3 million worldwide. This is the highest opening for the Ant-Man franchise so far. Oh boy. Which, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, second place, it's Avatar, Look at All This Water. <laughs> God, I would actually be much more interested in any of the movies if they actually use that as the subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Avatar, look at all this moist. <laughs> Avatar, we're stranded at sea, please help. It's like, we're stranded at sea, it's like, you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> Avatar Waterworld. <laughs> Avatar Sea World, I'm sorry. Oh dear. <laughs> Took it $6.5 million domestically for a $658.8 million domestic total and is currently sitting at $2.24 billion worldwide. Third place, Magic Mike's Last Dance at $5.4 million domestically for an $18.8 million domestic total and $38.4 million worldwide. Fourth place, Puss in Boots' The Last Wish, $5.3 million domestically for a $167.8 million domestic total and $423.4 million worldwide. How is that movie still making so much money? Because <laughs> there's not a lot of competition for family films. Uh, fair. And it sounds like it's good. I'm honestly kind of sad I haven't seen it yet, but... Mm. Hey. And then in fifth place, uh, back in the top five, it's Knock at the Cabin. Oh, really? Yeah, it took okay. in $3.9 million domestically this weekend for a $31 million domestic total, and is currently sitting at $47.9 million worldwide. So, Quantumania is the clear winner... Everything else is a very distant second, third, fourth, and fifth. We'll see what happens on second weekend. Alrighty. Especially because Cocaine Bear comes out next weekend. That's... I wouldn't normally say that's stiff competition for a Marvel movie, but... I, is that one where it's stiff competition in your heart? <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> Before we talk Quantumania, though, mm -hmm. I saw another movie this week, and I'm here to tell you that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is currently my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> and it's terrible. I was to say, how bad is it? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so stupid. It's one of those things where it would almost work as a slasher movie if it wasn't about Winnie the Pooh. But the fact that it's about Winnie the Pooh and Piglet having grown in a feral killers is just... 
It's so dumb. There's a traumatic backstory for the lead actress. There's over-the-top violence. It's still bad. Some of the blood splatters are still obviously fake with CGI, but it's not as bad as the mean... This is what I wish the mean one had been. (laughs) Something that would work as a terrifying movie if not for the ridiculousness of its own premise. You know what's funny is that I was talking to a co-worker about how Rotten Tomatoes scores, especially really bad ones, greatly influence how much we want to see a movie. After you had seen it, I went on to see its rating and saw that it had a 7% critic score, and I was so mad that I didn't get to see the movie. (laughs) Well, I still need to pre-order the collector's edition. Mm -hmm. That's going to a a place of honor in my room. (laughs) This will be a prized possession. You're gonna get like a like a plastic, not like a graded case, but something similar to it. Just like a plastic case for it to sit in. It's like there's a special lock and key. This movie only comes out at special times. <laughs> no, it's great. I I assume you don't. I assume nobody cares about spoilers for Blood and Honey. But if you uh, do- I I don't know because I won't be able to see it because <laughs> all of the all of the show times are completely impractical. <laughs> If you don't want to get spoiled, to click to the Quantum Media review in <laughs> three, two, one. Okay, so some of my favorite highlights of this movie. <laughs> There's a line that lives rent-free in my head, and it's from the first, like, 15 minutes. Actually, probably the first 10, because it's before the credits roll. Okay. And it's Christopher Robin saying, Pooh, there's something wrong with Piglet. He's killed my wife. <laughs> He doesn't say it like that. <laughs> but that's how it lives in my head. He's much more distraught about it, but it's the, it's the bluntness of what he says that sent me into a spiral. See, the thing is that I'm picturing it in my head in the context of, like, the old shows I watched as a kid. <laughs> oh god, now I'm imagining Kid Christopher Robin saying that. That's just terrible. <laughs> And, and and Pooh just going, I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> or whatever. Oh, bother. Oh, oh, bother. Piglet's committed some homicide. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to put him down. Start running a shotgun. <laughs> Still not as dumb as the shotgun scene in the trailer for the mean one. <laughs> oh, man, that was bad. But no, this is phenomenal. Every time Pooh starts chasing after a victim, it's hilarious. Just because of it's it's just a it's just a fat guy in a red shirt and suspenders or overalls or whatever, and he's got a and he's got the fucking grotesque looking Pooh mask. Right. They don't say anything in the movie because apparently so what happened was when Christopher Robin left for college, he was the one bringing them food, so they weren't able to survive on their own. And when winter came and it got harsh, they decided to eat Eeyore. And that act drove them insane, and they decided to renounce their humanity. And it was a running (laughs) gag for me, because they've allegedly renounced their humanity, but they still wear clothes, they use tools, they've apparently got electricity, Okay. and Pooh knows how to drive a car. (laughs) Because he runs over a girl's head at one point. Ah, okay. (laughs) They have a wood chipper that they use to mulch people and everything. 
what was this movie's budget again? <laughs> I forget. I think a hundred thousand or something. Really? Well, I'm yeah. sure they've made. I'm sure they've made a profit at this. Oh point. yeah. No, the movie was shot in like ten days. R- really? Does it yeah. show? Oh, one hundred percent. Like I said, this is not a good movie. It's just great. <laughs> it's so enjoyable. I had such a great time. There's a part where. All I could think of was the bit from Halloween Kills where the entirety of Haddonfield crowds around Michael Myers and starts beating the shit out of him like it's World Star. <laughs> okay. And then he gets back up and massacres a lot of them because there's a bit where there's these four, like, country hicks that are surrounding Pooh and they're beating the shit out of him with crowbars and bottles and shit. Right. And then he just starts going on the offensive himself, karate chopping them, and he cuts a guy's hand off, slashes one guy's throat. And then he's six bees on the last guy. <laughs> it's like something out of a Mortal Kombat finisher. The guy goes running away and Pooh just holds up his arm and bees come flying out and swarm the guy. Aquafina just pops up out of nowhere and she just goes, Did I see you chop that dude's hands off with a decorative serving platter and some magic bees? It's all on the wrist. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a classic terrible slasher movie, if ever there was one. And I, I just... I don't want to give anything else away. Mm-hmm. Just, I have to show this to you once I have the physical of it, because it's just, it's amazing. I right. can't wait for the sequel. I can't wait for Peter Pan Neverland Nightmare. I can't wait for Bambi the Reckoning. Give me as many Disney slasher remakes as you want. <laughs> as long as they're all this level of bad. <laughs> well, that's a dangerous territory, because it's one of those things where I feel like it's easy for something to be bad. The challenge is making it so bad that it circles back around to being enjoyable. That's actually much more difficult than I think people give credit for. No, it's so hard to do. Yeah. But this one pulls it off, and that's why I want more. <laughs> Alright, let's talk Quantumania. Let's talk Quantumania. So, Ant-Man's a big-time hero now. Everybody loves him because he helped save, you know, half the universe. And then the entire universe. <laughs> and he's the one responsible for giving the Avengers the idea to time travel in the first place, and so now he's a big deal, swimming in money, he wrote his own book. Hope is now a philanthropist who's taken over Pym Tech and turned it into Pym Van Dyne Technologies or something, and she's using it to solve world hunger and shit with the Pym Particles, which, you know what? Actually, that goes a long way to explaining why the world has kind of sort of moved on from the snap. Right. Because if you've got pim particles to help with housing and food and stuff, okay, yeah, you know what? That tracks. Yeah. And Scott's daughter ends up creating some kind of quantum signal thing beacon to map out the quantum realm. They, plus Hank and Janet, get sucked into it, and they have to go up against Kang the Conqueror. I think that sums it up, yeah. Yeah, that's a good sum up of, like, everything that happens later on. This movie was okay. I enjoyed it. I liked it, but it's definitely my least favorite of the Ant-Man movies, and I don't use this critique a lot because I don't often believe it, but this really feels like making something to set up the future of where the MCU is going at the expense of an individual franchise. Hmm. A lot of this doesn't feel like it needed to be an Ant-Man movie, you know? Right. And there's so much stuff that made the last two Ant-Man movies great that's missing here, and you feel that loss because so much of it is for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Plus, I don't want to say the effects are bad, 
because at some points they're really, really good. Mm. But there's also points, for me at least, where I feel this is them walking around on a soundstage. <laughs> the action was good. I feel like partially because so much of it's set in the quantum realm and there aren't a lot of objects necessarily, you don't get the same kind of sense of bizarre fun that you do when somebody, say, throws a Hello Kitty Pez dispenser and then makes it gigantic. Right. <laughs> it's a lot more oriented on combat based around shrinking yourself or other people or stuff like that. A lot of weird interactions between the Shrinky Dinks and the Big Disks. Mm -hmm. That's another one. You know, I thought about it, and I realized part of the problem is, in the last two Ant-Man movies... The Quantum Realm is this weird, mysterious, dangerous, isolated place where laws of physics don't make sense, you're stuck for eternity, time flows different, space is bendable, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like an eldritch location, a place that should absolutely mess with your mind. Yeah. Here that doesn't happen at all. And in fact, the more time you spend in the Quantum Realm, the more you start to think, huh, this isn't really all that different. I feel like the Doctor Strange movies did a better job with zany alternate dimensions. Like that one where hands grow out of your hands. I think the thing that really kind of, I won't say killed the idea of the Quantum Realm, but made it, I guess, a little bit less interesting for me was when they established how, and this is talked about, this is shown in the trailer, so I feel like it's fair game, of how there's like actual people in some sort of societal agreement hierarchy type thing and it's like wait no this is a place that time space science as we know it laws of physics and everything as we know it are literally null and void to me it's like it feels a little weird to have that kind of setup present when i feel like the overarching thought process for anyone who finds themselves in here is all right how the hell do we not die <laughs> yeah and you know what else makes it really weird the fact that some of the people in the in the quantum realm, are clearly human. They're yeah. not Earth human, but Bill, Bill Murray! Yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray's just regular-ass Bill Murray! Yeah, no. With I mean, like... he's playing a character, Krylar, but he's he's a human. There's no makeup or anything. He's just a regular human, and he even says, like, yeah, I'm not... I'm, yeah, in all the ways that count, but I'm not technically human. It's like, yeah, but why? Why do you exist in this form, in this bizarre place? You should have never evolved like this. Yeah, also, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, I'll get into that later, but mm. Kang was good. Kang was good. Yeah, Kang was fun. Hell of a showing for Jonathan Majors getting to be the actual bad guy, and not just he who remains in Loki. Yeah, no, which I will say I do think the one of my fears going in was the movie was going to kind of lean on, especially since that's where Kang is first established and kind of shown how much of a terror he is that they're going to lean on people seeing Loki. But I feel like they did a good job here with making it where Kang within this particular setup is terrifying and interesting enough on his own where you are grabbed in by him and like kind of get the flow of things without any prior information. So I, I was like, all right, they did a good job that of just, because like I said, I was afraid they were just going to put him in in a way that was like, well, you've seen Loki, Right. Right. Oh, you have it? Oh, well, sucks to suck. I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you know, for a movie called Ant-Man and the Wasp, there's not a lot of Wasp in this either. 
<laughs> no, you know what? I was thinking about that after we got out. It's like Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's like, the Wasp is not really a central figure in this movie. <laughs> it feels like they only kept the title like that because they knew if they dropped the Wasp, people would get mad. Yeah. But she doesn't really do much. And Janet... Janet gets a little more focused, so I guess maybe that's why you could rationalize calling it Ant-Man and the Wasp, because she is also the Wasp, but yeah. at the same time, the movie's also hurt by the fact that we haven't had a lot of time with Janet as a character, so a lot of the emotional stuff doesn't really resonate as much as I think they would like it to. And I'll get more of that in a bit, but... Right. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I don't hate this movie. It's not, it's not like Thor Love and Thunder where I walked out going, Oh, God, what the fuck was this <laughs> but it definitely feels like it's missing something and i'm really hoping that if they make another ant-man they stay out of the quantum realm mm. and just focus on give me a movie where i would have killed for a movie with scott lang being basically the world's number one hero <clears throat> just imagine the sheer jarring whiplash Mm-hmm. Of this guy who helped save half the universe and fought Thanos and his armies head-on, getting his shit kicked in by a whirlwind. <laughs> I think that would have been great. That would have been really cool. You got anything else for non-spoilers? Nothing that immediately springs to mind. Cool. In that case, if you don't want to be spoiled on Quantumania, make sure to click away in three, two, one. God, they fucking wasted MODOK. <laughs> yeah you know what I, as someone who as is established if you're watching any episodes of the show doesn't really like read the comics stuff or anything like that I felt like Modoc was a little bit disappointing like a little bit after fact because it's like I thought Modoc was actually supposed to be kind of terrifying and he really wasn't here yeah no I mean there's always an element of goofy to the character because he's a giant floating head with little baby legs but yeah <laughs> It really feels like they sucked a lot of the menace out of him. Mm-hmm. Just by virtue of how everybody reacts to him and how he presents himself. and It's just weird. Like, there's the whole... Him ter- him changing sides comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It just feels forced. The whole bit with him dying is awkward. Yeah, it's... Well, him dying and also after him getting like his ass kicked by Cassie and... Cassie's just looking at him like, why are you doing this? It's like, Darren, it's easy. Just don't be a dick. And it's like, why are we having this conversation yeah, right now? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> it, it's one of those things where the lack of focus on Cassie up until this point also doesn't help matters. Because, mm. in theory, this should be some big cathartic showdown. Because, as she pointed out, he broke into her room when she was six and tried to kill her because her dad was a superhero. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying she should be reduced to an absolute mess at the sight of him or anything cuz no, absolutely not. That's fucking tired. But I feel yeah. like a little more focus on that would have been nice. Yeah, I don't think I was as disappointed as you or my boss who actually saw the movie with us, but it was still the, the part of my brain was just going is like, "Ah, there's there's something on the table that just wasn't picked up for this character." No, and it's funny, because at first, when Bill Murray started talking about him and said, a sort of mechanical organism designed only for killing, Mm. at first I thought, oh, fuck, they shouldn't have spoiled MODOK in the trailer, because if they had had just left that for the movie, I would be screaming right now. 
<laughs> and then the rest of the movie happened, and they turned him into a total fucking goofball. And all I could think was, okay, you know what? It's a good thing because yeah, because because it, it's like I'm thinking about it too. It's like you would have started screaming, but I feel like you would have been like livid by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, if if I'd had a chance to suddenly get my hopes up, only to mm-hmm. realize, oh fuck me, this is not good. I would have been real mad. I feel like that would have been a case of me looking over to you and you doing the whole Scarface theme of, look at how they've massacred my boy. <laughs> That's the Godfather. Or Godfather. <laughs> I, called that, I called that Janet slept with Bill Murray. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> I shouldn't be this happy to be right, but I am. <laughs> you know, what's funny about it is that it's like, it's really obvious, and they, when they see it, it's something super obvious, but part of my brain just goes, it's like, Oh, you can do better than that, sweetheart. <laughs> but granted, not a lot of companionship in this absolutely hell netherworld that is the the quantum, um, the quantum realm. As Janet states, where she goes, "I've been, I was stuck down here for thirty years, sweetheart. I have needs." She's like, "Yeah, you know so, what? That's fair." <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame her for that. But this is where the lack of focus on Janet up until this point kind of comes back to bite the movie. Because so much of this movie could have been cut if they just stopped wheel spinning and introduced Kang sooner. I mean, the whole wheel spinning they did with Janet about how she wasn't talking about something just pissed me off immensely. Yeah, and I get that it's because she feels guilty about having helped Kang accidentally rise to power and then leaving. But it's also a case of, you could at least talk about it with somebody... Yeah. And now that they're actually... Like, okay, it's one thing when you're out of the quantum realm that you don't want to talk about it, but when you're all actually in danger, the least you could do is fucking inform them of what they're in danger from. Yeah, it's like, alright guys, so the thing I haven't talked about forever, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, there's someone who's going to try their best to kill all of us, so be ready for that. (laughs) Have fun. Yeah, have fun. It's like, Mom, are you going to give... Yeah, I helped him. I realized he was a monster. I stringed him. He really hates me. <laughs> it's and like, so, if she had the big disc, the disc that make things big, if she had those the whole time, why didn't she leave? Hmm. Because that's how Scott got out the first time. Yeah, that's right. It's one of those things. It's like I said, the quantum realm makes less sense the more time you spend there because... And not in the, not in the, oh, this is wacky and fun way, in the, this actually is much lamer than you led me to believe sense. Mm-hmm. That's true. I've seen a lot of complaints that Kang is undermined as a menace by the fact that Ant-Man beat him, and I don't get that. No, yeah, because it's like, because Ant-Man, I don't, because I wouldn't even say Ant-Man beats him. No, oh, they stop him. Yeah, because, like, Ant-Man literally says, it's like, I'm not trying to beat you, I'm just trying to make sure we both lose. <laughs> yeah. they it's like, that his, is not winning. <laughs> they thwarted his plan, but it took a whole army and a deus ant machina. Yeah. Which it's also deus, was a- Deus ant machina. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> literally, just two letters away from one of the ants from just having a hardcore Star Wars reference. <laughs> They're highly intelligent. Yes. Highly they, intelligent? I don't, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. I think you can get away with either on that one. Yeah, those the, the ants weren't very well set up either, and they don't explain it particularly well. Mm-hmm. No, I, 
I felt like the ends, even though the way they came back was awesome, was just kind of one of those things where someone was like, hey guys, don't forget, we need to make sure that the ants are useful at some point. It's like, Which, oh shit, you're right. <laughs> to be fair, it, it hasn't happened in a while. Mm-hmm. The ants haven't really gotten a chance to do all that much lately. But it's still a case of, yeah, okay, it's supposed to be a direct dispute of Kang's you talk to ants line, but it's also like, if these weren't super intelligent, advanced, thousands of years, technocratic, socialist ants, they wouldn't be nearly as useful. (laughs) You know, the thing is, is that even though I enjoyed that, hearing you say that out loud just made me realize how stupid it is. (laughs) Right, it's it's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) It's... Yeah, it's like if they were if they were just like straight up ants, just normal ants, still the highly intelligent ants by the standards created by the movies. But if they were in that same level of intelligence and still won, that would have been much more impressive than the whole thing of like experiencing thousands of years of change, politics, evolution, and whatnot in the span of seconds storyline. Yeah, it's just weird. There's not enough interaction between Modok and Hank. Mm-hmm. Hank, in ge- Hank in general doesn't really get a lot to do for being stuck in the realm at the same time. Yeah. He gets a little bit of action, and he gets to fly the ship, but... Uh, the very uncomfortable ship. Yeah, uh, where are the controls? Those are the controls, and I'm going, that is the most bad-touch vehicle I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm a little confused by how, if the Quantum Realm is theoretically beyond time and space, I'm a little confused with how Janet and Kang could know each other to begin with. And I know, theoretically, the explanation is that the multiverse, once it was created, has basically retconned itself and always existing, is I assume the thing. But Mm -hmm. if the quantum realm was outside of time and space, that means it shouldn't be impacted by those changes to begin with, which means there shouldn't have been a Kang up until Janet got out of the Quantum Realm, because that's when the Avengers went back in time, and Loki ended up getting the Tesseract, and the entire Loki series happened, and he remains died, and the multiverse was created, yada yada. (laughs) I've gone cross-eyed. Oh my. I've gone Darren (laughs) cross-eyed. I've gone Modoc-eyed. And I just completely blanked on what I was getting ready to say. (laughs) Okay, here's one that bugs me, and just kind of underscores... Ha! Bugs. It <laughs> bugs him. Ants. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, the the thing that gets me is, where the hell is Ghost? Yeah, that was a whole thing in the second movie. I know five years have passed, but the whole reason Ant-Man got stuck in the quantum realm was to find particles for her. You think they could at least mention what happened to her? You think they could mention where the wombats are? I get that... Mm-hmm. I get Scott's ex-wife and Cassie's stepdad not showing up because the movie wasn't really about them, but you could at least could at least go into why they're not there. Yeah. And if Scott's such a big deal, how come he's not helping out the rest of the Avengers with stuff? I get... I understand he doesn't want to go out and fight anymore because he saved the universe and, as far as he's concerned, his job is done, which, yeah, once you've saved the entire universe, you, you have every right to just kick your feet up and never go crime-fighting again, but you'd think... He could at least help the Avengers out with financial stuff or something. <laughs> like you think he could have helped? You think he could have helped Sam Wilson get a loan? <laughs> you know the the whole like kicking feet up thing was kind of one bit that I guess like at least moderately bothered me for the beginning of the movie because the feeling I got from Scott was the whole thing, kind of like what happened with um with Hawkeye. Right at that point, it's like okay. 
I have saved the universe, gone through many adventures, nearly died God knows how many times. I have very much settled, like suffered fatigue from this, and I am good. So, I don't know, this might be me a personal thing, but it kind of bugged me how everyone was giving him crap about like not helping enough. It's like, dude, he saved half the universe. Man's yeah. done enough. Also, to, by proxy, the bit how, because I was like completely with Scott on this one, is how like Cassie finds herself in jail because she was at a protest stopping like environmental damage. Which, don't get me wrong, I completely understand that. But he's just like, why is everyone okay with her like just going to jail for this, and I'm the only one that's bothered by it? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm with you there, dude. <laughs> No, I'm kind of with them, but I also feel like on the flip side, if anybody doesn't have a right to get mad at her about that, it's Scott. Well, it's like my thinking on it was, if there's anyone who I feel like should go, it's like, no, don't go to jail for, for silly things, and has at least something of a point, it would be Scott. <laughs> I, I can see it. I can definitely see it. It's just also a thing of, I get why everybody's brushing him off, because in theory, if he hadn't gone to jail, he never would have stolen the suit, He never would because he wouldn't have needed to to see Cassie, and then he never would have became Ant-Man. So in theory, going to jail was the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. And also, it's a case of, he has a point, and he's probably got more insight as to why this is a bad idea, but on the flip side, that also means everybody's less likely to regard him, because it does come off as very hypocritical. Hmm. Fair, I guess. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I don't know anything about. I mean, well, I think I already talked about it, but with Cassie, the whole, the whole like stop being a dick argument was just one. I was just like, why? <laughs> um, because they said so. Fair. Hi. And my name is Darren. Tries to stop him. Am I am not a dick? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm gonna be really mad thinking back to the why isn't Scott at least mm. doing a little something. I'm gonna be really mad if when Kang finally rolls up to deal with the Avengers, none of them have heard of him. Because oh. you think the least he could do is pick up the phone, call some people, and go, Hey, so I just went on this zany-ass fucking adventure, and here's what happened. So if the multiverse opens up, and a bunch of guys who all look like this one guy come spilling out, yeah, maybe be prepared for that. I mean, considering how at the end of the movie he is going back and forth on if the issue is solved or not, I feel like he's... At some point, his paranoia is going to win and be like, okay, I should probably let everyone else know about this. I hope so, but I'm <laughs> very paranoid that they're not going to. Mm. None of the side characters are as engaging as the ones from the previous two. I don't even remember their names, and they have weird-ass <laughs> names like... <laughs> Quaz? Yeah, I think one's Quaz. I forget, um... There's that one blob guy who's voiced by Dave Desmalkian because they didn't get him back for Kurt, but they did get him back for this guy. Mm-hmm. There's... Was it Jintora or was it Zentora? They said uh. her name, like, five different times! <laughs> Why can I not fucking remember this? See, the one I'm... Oh, well, I just, I just like, remembered it was, was um, William Harper playing Quaz. Yeah, it was Cheaty from The Good Place. Yeah. And how that, that, I mean, I enjoyed him a lot just because it's the whole thing of, 
like just very clearly showing the audience, no, this is why being a telepath actually really sucks. <laughs> I I swear to God, the bit of Scott trying to stop thinking about how many holes he has, mm. and Quaz just continuously picking up on it. Go, nope, you haven't stopped yet. I swear to God, that's an Ultimate Spider-Man reference. <laughs> For those who don't know, when Ultimate Spider-Man first meet in the comics, not the show, first meets mm. the X-Men and is introducing himself to Jean Grey, she says something along the lines of, actually, you're the first guy in months who hasn't immediately pictured me naked. Until now. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry, okay, now. Okay, now. And it, it's like, okay, you you can't blame him because you you said it. Yeah, you you kind of put it out there. <laughs> but it's also funny, and eventually she goes from, like, irritated to just, like, resigned exasperation. It's It was a really funny bit. I mean, for me, it's it's the whole bit where Scott Lang is going, it's like, man, I wish my head could glow like that, and he's just like, no, you, you, you really don't. <laughs> nah. The final fight was pretty cool. It's... It's a little too... Two giant armies fighting each other and everything gets lost in the sauce kind of deal. Mm-hmm. The giant man bit was amazing, though. The giant man bit was great. Uh, even with Scott being like, We had a deal! Our world is Bond! And it's like, okay, maybe I listened to too much like classic hip-hop. I was like, alright, we are in a 1995 like hip-hop music video right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, that fight, the fight was really cool. Um... And especially with like the bit at the end of the fight where King like actually King arrives just on the throws battle. hands. Yeah, literally throws hands and people melt away from existence. <laughs> and then it just turned. I like the fist fight at the end. Oh yeah, that was some it... really good stuff. And I like that he broke the helmet specifically so Scott can't shrink. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I don't know if that's why he did it, but. From an out-of-universe perspective, that's a really good way to take away Scott's big advantage, because without that helmet, he can't breathe. I didn't think about that, yeah, because it's a thing of, like, when they showed it, when they showed, like, the just the half-destroyed helmet, like, the man literally punches a huge-ass hole through Scott's helmet. My thought process was, wow, that is some massive strength. It's like, I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> oh god, I just realized, those guys from Hawkeye, they're dead. Not just because the owl took them, like, they probably suffocated. Oh. oh That's boy. horrible. <laughs> I can't believe he did that to them. Why does he have that? <laughs> You'd think Scott would have said, don't point it at people. Mm. What a monster. Indeed. Kang was right. <laughs> There's a bunch of Kangs coming. Yeah, there are. I'm so... I was bouncing up and down on my seat at that part, I'll admit, because it's like, ah, <laughs> ah, I did not expect it, it, it just in this one. I, I, I figured there'd be, like, a nod to more Kangs, but I didn't expect Rama Tut, and I didn't expect Immortus. <laughs> I'm wondering if Jonathan Majors... Because, like, the, the movie ends with, like, a whole stadium of Kangs being gathered, and I wonder if Jonathan Majors did all of them. Especially, like, one is, like, staring at the camera as the camera pans to the side, where he's just, like, looking at it, going, ah! <laughs> it's just like holy shit! <laughs> I wonder I'll admit, if he... <laughs> that part kind of got me. That's a little too goofy. I get that. I get that at least some of the Kangs are probably super gung ho and excited to be teaming up. But yeah, 
No, the one where he's just like staring at the camera screaming is like, okay, I don't think that's a Kang. I think that was just John Majors being stupid. And they're like, you know what? We're going to keep that in the movie. (laughs) That was Jonathan Majors realizing how much money he's going to make for all these different roles. (laughs) But I feel like, I don't know. I'm interested to see where the Council of Kangs is going. Mm -hmm. But also I'm a little afraid that they're going to undersell the scale. Because... Unfortunately, it's kind of hard to do the concept of an infinite multiverse justice. Right. Because I feel like what they're going to do is they're going to be like, oh, we brought in all the Kangs, and it's going to be like, maybe, I don't know, several thousand Kangs. Which is a lot, don't get me wrong, but it's also like, you you don't understand, the human brain cannot grasp the sheer concept of infinity. It is impossible. Because, mm. and it's got to, and it's infinite, because for every choice you make... That creates a divergence. So, that version of Kang that Ant-Man killed, or potentially, I don't know, maybe he got sent to the quantum quantum realm. Mm. He, theoretically, there's an infinite number of variants just based on the moments in his life leading up to that point. To say nothing of all the radically... Like, there should, there's not only infinite him, there's infinite Immortus, there's infinite Ramatut, and that's the problem with an infinite multiverse. Like, you lose the scale because you have to make it at a level that people can quantify. This is admittedly a really stupid joke that just popped in my head during all this, but I'm imagining a multiverse where Kang rules everything, including Nintendo, and the next game is Super Kang Ultimate. Every Kang is here. Oh, I thought you were going to say Donkey Kang. <laughs> no, it felt like that was too obvious, but it's also where my brain went when see when thinking about the scene of all the Kangs in the stadium. It Amazing. Just, just being like the like the the Super Smash Bros meme starts playing over that whole scene. Okay, you know what? Actually, there was one thing that I forgot that I really liked in this movie. Mhm. And that is the the probability storm where there's just Ant-Mans everywhere. Oh yeah. That's the kind of wacky shit that this whole movie should have been. Just nonsense. Just random, physically impossible nonsense all around you. Like, you step one way and you end up... You take, like, two steps forward and you end up 60 steps behind where you were. Crazy shit like that. Mm -hmm. But I like the probability storm for how wacky it is. the, The zaniness of every time they go big, they fall apart. Mm-hmm. The one guy who's there still in the Baskin Robbins outfit. Hey, where's the ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> I I heard that. I was like, oh, please tell me I'm not the only person who heard. No, that. I got it too. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> but my favorite part about it is that they all end up working together and putting aside who's the original to help the real one get up anyway, because mm-hmm. they hear Cassie, and no matter which one is the real one, they all love Cassie. Oh, yeah, that was super sweet. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. And then they all disappeared. <laughs> and then for the final post credits, we got probably a clip from Loki. Yeah, it was basically a season two teaser for Loki. Which I'm very excited for because yeah. Mobius is great, Loki is great, and Jonathan Majors has demonstrated that uh, he's phenomenal. Yes. Just general excitement. It's already established, but it's still fun to see Loki just being genuinely terrified of what's in front of him. And Moe's just like, I don't understand. You stand, you said this guy's terrifying. And he's just like, oh, trust me. 
He is. <laughs> so yeah, this isn't my favorite by a long shot, and I kind of wish it had been something different. But I can also see why they wanted to take a big swing. I just don't really think it fits this particular franchise, and they might want to dial it back in the future. Right. Bring back the Wombats and other stuff like that. Because that was that was the real strength of Ant-Man. Ant-Man was really good as a weird combination of a family movie and a heist movie. Yeah. And I think they moved a little too far away from that with this step. Which, to be fair, yeah, okay, you want to branch out at points. And this wasn't nearly as disastrous an attempt as the Thor movies. But... <laughs> no, that's, a, that's an almighty low bar that I hope they never reach again. Same. But it still feels like something's missing from this, that all the spectacle and all the weird sci-fi adventure can't really replace. Mm -hmm. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. I think that kind of covers everything. Alright. Well, in that case, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Spotify, Facebook, TikTok... Not Twitter, because they still haven't gotten back to me about my account suspension, so I'm probably going to try to make another one. Yeah, at this point, you might as well. Pretty what are they going to do? Ban you again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next week, we're watching Cocaine Bear! Y yes, indeed. I can't wait. I'm looking so forward to this. <laughs> but yeah, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.